every person today has heard of political correctness. But before I talk about it today, I want to give a warm welcome to every person here at the Community Adventist Fellowship. I welcome our audience right across North America, into Canada, right across these great United States of America, down into the Caribbean, and also by satellite now around the world. We're so glad in this ministry to be associated with Danny and Linda Shelton and Three Angels Broadcasting Network, as well as other television stations across this great land. Political correctness. Some would say it's the new fascism. It's the new censorship. It has invaded every university in the world, but well, at least in the Western world, where professors and students in their piety have said that certain topics are off limits. And that it is our responsibility simply to affirm everybody and everything. For instance, all lifestyles are the same. The traditional lifestyle of marriage, man and a woman, versus homosexuality, that even the discussion of that is politically incorrect. So everything is equal, everything is the same. Heterosexuals, homosexuals, bisexuals, and better still, not even to talk about the differences, or not even to raise objections. I say again, I consider it to be the new fascism, where people's mouths and minds are closed so that they can no longer think or talk about certain topics. Political correctness, which has invaded this world, which is a curse, I believe, to free thought, also says that all religions are the same. And if you don't consider that all religions are the same, you are nothing but a bigot. In fact, many people who push the idea of political correctness are so politically incorrect that if you raise an objection, they will cry you down. Or else with people like Dr. Laura, who talks about traditional Christian, Judeo-Christian values, they will work with a will to silence her voice. Because while they have the right to be heard, she does not have the right to be heard or to have her viewpoint. And so these people, these good people, we would say, would teach us that everything is the same and everything should be affirmed. For instance, Buddhism, Hinduism, whatever you want to think about, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, whatever religion, they are all the same. And it is our duty as, as sensitive and politically correct persons to say that whatever you should find, wherever you should find yourself in whatever religion, it is as good as anybody else's religion. And Jesus, although he were a 
good man, though perhaps deluded, did a lot of good for the human race. And Jesus is to be affirmed in exactly the same way as Buddha or Kali or somebody else. Now today, I want to make this very, very plain before I go any further, that I believe that God has good people in any and every religion. I believe that God has good people in pagan religions also. I believe that God has his children in every religion waiting to hear his voice and to step out into the light just as God has his people in every nation. I do not believe today that one nation is any more in a spiritual sense more important than any other nation. I believe that God has his people wherever human hearts have responded to the Spirit of God. As far as I'm concerned, there is one big problem with the idea of political correctness, and that is this, that Jesus and the Bible are very politically incorrect. Because if Jesus were here today, Jesus would say some things that people would say are extreme and unfortunate and should never be said, and they would wish to silence his voice. I want you today to take your Bibles and to turn with me over here to Matthew chapter 7 and verses 16 to 20. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 16 to 20. And these three words, these opening words, really sum up the first point of my talk today. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 16 and onwards, and Jesus is talking, and I wish to throw out a challenge to all people who are listening today who say any religion is as good as any religion. Would you please notice verse, verse 16. Jesus said, by their fruits, remember this, by their fruits, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruits, you will recognize them. I don't know if you have the expression that some of us have, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Do you know this expression? The proof of the pudding is in the eating. Jesus was saying something similar when he said, by their fruits, you will know them. And so today we are going to ask, and I hope answer the question, are all religions equal, are all the same? Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, Islam, traditional Christianity, that is 
an oppressive system that has turned away from the Bible. And then finally, Bible Christianity, the religion of the Bible, the religion of Jesus. Sometime back, a number of months back, I was talking to a young woman who lives in this area, and we were discussing the oppression of women in history. And she said to me, it appears to me as though the Bible has set up a religious system that has oppressed women. And we talked about the oppression of women, and then I talked to her also about some of the customs in the Bible where the Bible said, uh, Paul said, I don't allow a woman to speak in church. And I pointed out to her, this is not a moral law, but Paul was referring to a custom that was only a temporary thing in his own day. And I said this to her. I want you to think about this. But if you think that in this land of the United States of America, women are oppressed because of the Bible, try Saudi Arabia. Try Saudi Arabia, where when a man walks down the street, the woman walks behind him respectfully, and where she cannot show her face. Try Iraq. Try Iran. Try almost all of the Middle East. Try even Russia. When I first went to Russia and met with our ministers, they treated us very well indeed. They treated us almost like kings. Let me just put this over here for a moment. They treated us with great dignity and great respect. And we would sit in the living room and we would eat. And the women, the wives, stood at the door after preparing the meal. I said to our pastors, why are the women standing there? They said, it is our custom. I said, from henceforth, we have a new custom, don't we? <laughs> Because we do not believe this. Try much of Latin America. Try India. Where little girls are sometimes destroyed after birth. Because why? Because they're little girls. Try China where for centuries they bound the feet of little girls. Dare I say, try Japan. If you don't like this country, try Japan, where women too often are simply sex objects of wealthy businessmen. Try Africa, my friend, where little girls and girls that are not so little are sexually mutilated for life. Why? Because of their religion. The countries that have the highest respect for women are countries that follow Christ, near or far off. The closer a nation in its teachings comes to the teachings of Christ, the greater respect will be shown to women. Jesus said, by their fruits you will know them. 
It has not happened in Buddhist countries. It has not happened in Hindu countries. It has certainly not happened in Muslim countries. It has happened where the teachings of Jesus have been accepted and where the teachings of Jesus have been embraced. I would remind you today that no person I know in the history of the human race treated women with greater respect than Jesus. I bless your heart, his most ardent followers were women because he reached out a hand to them. And when he was at the cross and everybody, when the men had run away, when Peter had turned tail, and only John, the beloved disciple, was left standing there were the women. It was Mary the mother and other Mary standing there. And the last words that Jesus addressed were addressed to the disciple John with respect to his mother. Here is your mother. Here is your mother. Mother, here is your son. The teachings of Jesus have elevated women where they ought to be more than anything else. Now you say you have mentioned some parts of the world, but those parts of the world are Christian. So how can you say that these places oppress women, you say with one voice, and then we know that they're Christian. I dispute that they are. I would say it is a pagan form of Christianity. It belongs to the church of the dark ages. And those people were turned away from the Bible and their philosophy was that a woman ought to be barefooted in the kitchen, pregnant. And where did they get it from? They got it from a male hierarchy. That's where they got it from. Did they get it from the Bible? No, they never got it from the Bible. Then why are women treated so well in, as they ought to be in America, Canada, the Scandinavian countries, mainly Western Europe, Great Britain, Australia, and New Zealand, whereas in many other parts of the world, they're simply dirt under the feet of the men. I will tell you why. Those countries were the countries that in the 16th, the 15th century, in those times, accepted the teachings of the Bible in a mighty reformation. That is called today the Reformation. And America was founded by reformers, I would say, yes, the Puritan reformers who came to this country with a belief in God and the Bible and who followed Jesus Christ and his teachings. And wherever the teachings of Jesus are followed, my friend, there you have the elevation of women. I want to say to every woman who is watching the telecast today, you are what you are in this country, not because of political correctness, but because of a person perhaps you do not even recognize. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said, by their fruits you will know them. Let me talk to you now about religious and political freedoms here in America, as in Australia, as in New Zealand, as in Great Britain, we have a religious freedom that people in other parts of the world do not even understand. Now you and I do not take, we take it for granted that we can come to church Sabbath after Sabbath and we can buy a building and we don't even pay taxes on the building because of the separation of church and state. 
And when I want to run an evangelistic series of meetings, I do not have to go to the governor or the mayor with a bunch of money to bribe him and to get a thousand signatures like I have to do in some places soon. But we take it for granted that we have the perfect liberty to say what we believe and to preach what we believe and I can preach what I want to preach in television. As long as people who are politically correct do not have the means to silence us because they do not believe in freedom of religion or freedom of speech, you see. They believe in freedom of speech for themselves, but not for those who are dissenters. And most of my life I have been a dissenter. Let me talk to you about religious and political freedoms. Now remember, we are not talking about the people who live in those countries or who come from those countries per se. We're talking about those nations as they exist today. Let me mention some of them. China. China. Can I go to China and run an evangelistic campaign? Of course not. Why? Because the teachings of Jesus are not recognized there. That is why. China. Let me talk about Russia. I have sat down with priests and bishops and archbishops of the great state church over there and I've talked to them about freedom. Freedom? What do you mean? How dare you baptize these people? These are our people. We own their souls. God owns their souls. No, we own their souls. And you've got no right to come into this country and run an evangelistic campaign because we own these people. There is a mind block. Would you like to know why? Russia never had a reformation led by a Martin Luther to lead the people to the teachings of Christ and the teachings of the Bible. Then there's India. Oh, you say, but are you not talking racism today? No, I'm simply telling you some truths. I receive a letter from a doctor who supports our ministry with rupees and he writes to me every month. He says, Pastor Carter, it is getting worse where we live. The Hindus are burning Christians and burning Bibles and burning churches. And as Pastor David Curry told you today, there are tens of believers in Indonesia who are being persecuted and clubbed to death because they're Christians by Muslims. I want to remind you that the religion of Jesus never persecuted a single soul. And when you say the Christian church was guilty of unspeakable atrocities, I would deny it. It wasn't the Christian church, it was a perversion of Christianity that in Scripture is called the Antichrist, the amalgamation of church and state. Do not impose upon the Christian church that burden. Not at all. Then there are other countries. Go to the Middle East if you dispute what I say. Go to Israel. Oh, but you say, a bastion of freedom. Yes, it has democracy. Freedom of religion? No. You cannot migrate there unless you're a part of that religion. Imagine if America said, you cannot come to America unless you are a Baptist. And in Israel... 
I cannot go to Israel and hire an auditorium and preach the gospel and give out handbills and tell people to come or else I risk being placed in prison. It is the same with Jordan and Egypt and Iraq. How do you know? I have been there. Do they have churches? Yes, they have churches. They have restricted religious liberty. But they cannot evangelize. Why do we have it here? Because of our belief system. Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Syria, Turkey, Afghanistan, Iraq, much of Latin America and Africa. You say Africa? Yes, because of a paganized Christianity that has set black man against black man where there have been millions of innocent black people murdered because of their political viewpoints. I was impressed by the words of a black university professor who was on a panel on the Fox network and they were discussing slavery and of course there's not a person who could call himself a follower of Christ who does not today abhor slavery. The issue of slavery was the greatest blot upon the history of the American people, slavery. How dreadful slavery was, and yet today slavery is not over. There are millions of slaves around the world. 50,000 women are imported into the United States every year. Time magazine says as slaves locked up, they cannot move out of the homes. They are used as slaves. In Africa, there are still hundreds of thousands, even millions of slaves. And this professor said, I hate slavery. I hate what happened to my people. But I thank God that at least we came to America. It wasn't to some other country because he said, one black man here in America has more freedom than all the blacks combined in Africa today. You say, why? Why is this so? Why is this so? It is because our beliefs shape our actions and our attitudes. The world is not free. Do not think that all religions are the same. If you think that, it's because you are naive or politically correct and do not want to face the facts. I have traveled. Pastor Curry has traveled like I have, maybe even more so. And we have gone to country after country. And you can say, thank God for the teachings of Jesus. Where are the best places to live for religious and political freedom? It is simple. Christian countries that embraced the teachings of the Reformation, end of argument. The United States of America, Canada, Britain, New Zealand, Australia, the Scandinavian countries, Holland, Denmark, Switzerland, Germany. You say, Germany, that was the nation that held the Holocaust, a Christian nation. Let me remind you that the Nazis were not Christians. They had repudiated Jesus Christ and they were a bunch of pagan thugs. 
They were even tied up with spiritism. It is because of their pagan concepts that they turned against the Jews and other minorities and therefore they are not an exception to the rule. They prove that the rule is true. All religions are not the same. All religions are not the same. I want you to think of crime and security. There are some countries that I go to very conscious that I may not come back again. I've had friends say to me talking about countries that have been overtaken by communism, atheism, and a, a paganized Christianity. They say, be very careful when you go there, Pastor Carter. You will be robbed. Almost every person there is a thief. They're waiting for you at the airport. They're waiting for you as you walk down the streets. Why? Because the teachings of Jesus have never been accepted by those countries. That's the reason. Elder Curry told me the other day about his wonderful work, and he must tell you this story. He ran the first ever evangelistic crusade in Albania. What a country! Who could be proud of Albania? Poverty. Women ground into the dust. People, poor, poor, ignorant, downtrodden, completely atheistic. They got rid of the name of Jesus from every piece of literature and when they wanted since Communism has been overthrown. When they wanted to design a church, when Pastor Gary wanted to design a church and they went into the libraries, they couldn't even find a picture of a church. After years of atheism, what can they present to the world? Poverty, ignorance, superstition, and you're going to tell me that all religions are the same because atheism is a religion. As I go around the world, as I see the lot of women, as I see the lot of humanity, I say there is only one true religion in this world. If I want to go to a country where I'm going to be relatively safe and where I'm going to have prosperity, what I, I appeal to you today, what are the most prosperous countries in the world? You say, the communist countries. What a joke. They said, we're going to bury you. I go there very shortly and I've got to take everything to feed them because they've got nothing. Poor, depressed. I say to a crowd of 10,000, let me see the hands of those who get depressed, who suffer from chronic depression. 9,997 hands go up. I was in the surf at Coolangatta a little while ago. A young man came into the surf and on his, he had a t-shirt on. I don't know why he was surfing with a t-shirt on. That's sort of something I'd do. But, <laughs> but he, you know, don't worry about that. Anyhow, he, he was, don't even think what you're thinking. It's not right. He, he was, there he was in the surf with a t-shirt and with, with a girl who was a very pretty girl 
thought, what does she see in this guy? Because on his shirt he had, my heart belongs to Carly. My heart belongs to Carly. I, I was going to talk to him, but I overcame it because I have been to India and I've gone to Calcutta and I've seen the Carly Temple. I've smelt it. I've seen it. Depravity. And so they come to our young people in the Western world and they come to Australia and they say, we can teach you our superior religion. I say, let's go and check you out. Let's go and look at your country. Let's go and look at your women. Let's go and look at your standard of living. Let's go and see the churches you're burning of people who disagree with you. You're going to come here and tell me you've got something better? Now the Lord Jesus Christ said, by their fruits you'll know them. And there's another reason I believe that the teachings of Jesus are incomparable. I've spent a month in Australia, about three weeks, doing a lot of reading and contemplating. Let me tell you what I did. I read through the Gospels. Didn't get right through Read through the Gospel of John, wrote a commentary, bow in hand. I'd do this for several hours a day. And then I started on the book of Matthew, and I got through to Matthew 20, writing down a commentary. And I'd read these words, and, and it had come into my mind, there is nothing like this in the world. I discovered things, so many things. I, I read things I'd never think read before. Jesus said, the light of the body is the eye. If the eye is dark, then the whole body is going to be full of darkness. And if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? I never understood that. Jesus in that passage is talking about money and being mean. I never understood it. Here I'm reading this, and then all of a sudden it dawns upon me. He's talking about the blindness of the soul. And if I'm so blind that I make money, my God, how great is my darkness. As I read these words, I said to myself, there's nothing like these words. These are the words of Christ. Do you want the greatest proof for Christianity? It's not archaeology, even though I use it to reach unbelievers. The greatest proof for Christianity is what Jesus said. We read commentaries about what Jesus said. Forget the commentaries, read the words of Jesus. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. When those words are taken and people live out those words, then those people are lifted up. Jesus is the greatest elevator of the human race. I do not believe in political correctness. I do not believe that Judaism and Hinduism and Islam and any other religion is on the equal to the religion of Jesus. But you say you go against the current of all the political correctness, so be it. Because it's the truth. I was reading a commentary that was sent to me, and people are saying, 
The problem is with the Gospels, it says things that embarrass us today about the crucifixion of our Lord. Dear, dear. Sad, sad. He said, we've got to do something to get rid of these obnoxious statements. I say, why did we not have the truth? Why did we not have the intellectual honesty to accept the truth? I want you to come to a text, please. I think it's in the book of Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. And notice what Jesus said. Well, what was said about Jesus, rather. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. This is about Jesus. It is the most politically incorrect text you'll find anywhere in the Bible. It is dogmatic. Some would say it is even... Well, beyond being dogmatic, it's just fanatical. But notice what it says. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Goodness me. Okay, Kali's the same, Buddha's the same, all of these people are the same. The Bible says that the only person who can save you is Jesus. That means, people, says, people say, that means you're saying the rest are wrong. Yep. Yeah. That's not saying there aren't good people in those religions and in those countries. I want to tell, I want to say to the people who've come to the, this country, people who've come from other lands, the greatest thing that ever happened to you was when you came to America and you had an opportunity to find out what this country is about. You see? And understand the great truths of the Bible that are meant to elevate every man, whether he's black or white or red or yellow, whatever it is. But look me in the eye and I'll tell you something. Where you have religions that have rejected the teachings of Jesus, there you have oppression and superstition and darkness. Tennyson said, I love this statement, our little systems have their day. They have their day and cease to be. They are but broken lights of thee, and thou, O Lord, art more than they. At the very best, we can say that those systems are broken lights of Christ. At the very best. At the very worst, there's something else. So these are proofs. Proofs to me of the uniqueness of the mission of Jesus. Politically incorrect. Unpalatable to many minds. But there is, I would think, an even greater proof if that were possible. Because people will argue over what I've said, even though they may be wrong, they'll argue. <laughs> but what I'm saying is the truth. Just go and look. Get on a plane. Walk around. Smell with your nose. See the barefooted footed women. See the poverty, see the crime, see the beggars, 
See the lepers. Then come back and say, oh, they're all the same. Goodness, come on. There's a greater proof if that were possible. And that is the resurrection of Christ. Not his death, though his death provided an atoning sacrifice, but some would dispute the death. You see, they'd say, well, everybody dies. He died, so what? What's the big deal? But if he actually rose from the dead, a dead body, then that proves without any question that he is the Son of God. And if he is the Son of God, then indeed there is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. You see, if a Christian goes out and says to the world, there's no other name under heaven whereby he must be saved, of course people are going to call him a bigot. Of course they're going to say, no, there are other ways. All roads lead to heaven. No, they don't. There's one road. And that is Jesus. I was watching on CNN, which is a bastion of liberalism. It's true, it's a bastion of liberalism. It'll tell you just what the liberals want you to hear. People watch these television programs and they say, don't you know, so, they think they're so naive, they think that what comes over television has to be the gospel truth. You hear on television what they want you to hear. That's a fact. There are some networks better, but watching a well-known evangelist being interviewed on television. And the interviewer said, you have said that the only way people can be saved is through Jesus. Aren't you a bigot? He said, and you're thinking, I guess I am. But that's what they said about the Lord. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Before Abraham was, I am, I'm God. There's no other name under heaven. I'm here to tell you today that the only way home to the kingdom of God is not through the Torah. It is not through Judaism. It is not through Islam and the prophet and the reading of the Quran. It is not through Buddhism, which is basically atheism. It is not through any of those things. It is through Jesus Christ. And the reason I am so, I am so sure of myself. Listen, the reason... I'm so sure of myself is because the proof for the pudding is in the eating. The fruitage of it. And thank God that you live in a country where people have believed these things. If we did not believe these things, we would be in the same condition as the Russians. What a mess. Funniest thing, running a campaign, <laughs> a guy comes up to me, and he says, you're the speaker? I said, think so, what's left of him? He says, I am an American communist. I said, let me look at you. <laughs> I said, you're an American communist? I said, let me have a good look. Goodness. I said, have you been to Russia recently? No. Why, why? Well, I believe in Marxism. I believe. Oh, goodness, I said. If I had the money, I'd buy you a plane ticket and send you over there. Maybe one way, but, <laughs> but here's a guy, he's an American communist. When you see what they've done, millions of people put to death, people starving. I've got to go over there by the grace of God and help to feed them. And somebody gets up and says, 
Hey, I'm so proud. I'm an American communist. Goodness. God, you know. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Listen to this, the truth of the resurrection. The Bible tells us, the Gospels tell us that Jesus was crucified. The Bible says that he was dead. The Bible says they took a spear and they put it in his side. And the Bible says there came out blood and water. And the writer says, I write, write these things so that you will believe. Now that's, that's what the Gospels say. And then you read in Matthew 28 and other portions of the Bible that they, Jesus dies, they embalm him, they put him in a tomb, they put a big stone up against the mouth of the tomb. And then on the Sunday morning, there's a great earthquake and the soldiers are there and they fall like dead men to the ground. And Jesus walks out of the tomb. And later on, he meets Mary Magdalene and says, Mary, she says, Rabboni, he says, Mary. He says it in the old way that he'd always called her, Mary. She didn't know him because of sight, because she was blinding, but she knew him by the way he said it. And then later on, he appears to the 11 disciples as they're sitting like frightened rabbits in another upper room, scared to death. And he walks in, he says, peace be unto you. And then he shows them his hands. And later on, Thomas, a week later, Thomas, who won't believe, meets the Lord and Jesus says, put your hand here, put your fingers here. Look at my feet, look at my side. And then on one or other occasion, when the disciples are out fishing, Peter says, let's go fishing, nothing else seems to work. And then they're fishing, and they don't catch anything. And then they see a man standing on the shore, and he says, little children, cast the net on the other side. Peter says, after they catch all these fish, it's the Lord, and he jumps into the water. So they see him. Now, if that isn't true... then we're all the most deceived people in the world. America is based upon the biggest sham and our biblical Christian heritage that has done more for the human race than anything else is based upon a big lie. That's what it means. Don't come to me and say, he's a good man, but he's, he didn't wasn't raised from the dead. Gandhi said he's a great man, but he wasn't the son of God. He wasn't raised from the dead. No, you've got to say he's a bad man because he told a lot of lies because he said he was going to be raised from the dead. And then he told them, look, here I am. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So these are the problems you have. Number one, that which has done the greatest to elevate humanity around the world, and I've given you plenty of examples all of that is based upon a big lie. Number two, the New Testament Christian documents like the Old Testament documents, I believe, is an historical document and it's authentic. I don't believe it's just a lot of stories. I believe it's authentic. I believe there's 
archaeological evidence, I believe there is textual evidence that points to the authenticity of the New Testament record. Why is it that people will believe CNN and they'll believe Time magazine and they'll believe Newsweek magazine and they'll believe the Encyclopedia Britannica and they'll read the New Testament and they say, oh, you can't believe that. Why is it? Because they don't want to believe. That's one of the main reasons. So I believe that the record of the New Testament is true. And there's also the problem for the skeptic, what happened to the body? Because nobody could find the body. And they came up with a story, say, this is what the Pharisee said, say that the disciples came by night and stole him away. But they, they were dispirited, they were broken. The tomb was surrounded by soldiers. It's not possible. Well, others say, well, the Jews stole the body. Well, if they had, they could have squashed the resurrection story, couldn't they? Hey, here's a corpse. Here he is. Some say the Romans stole the body. Well, they didn't want an insurrection. They didn't want this resurrection story getting around. Why didn't they pop out the body and say, hey, look at it? What happened to the body? Well, the body was raised. That's what happened to the body. And there's something else too. People are not generally inclined to die for things that they believe in with half convictions. If you're going to be tortured, if you're going to be burned alive, if you're going to be flayed alive, if, if you're going to be done up in bear skins and thrown to wild dogs and torn to bits, you're not going to do it for something you don't believe in. The disciples believed it. They died martyrs' deaths. Millions of people have died in awful pain. Don't think the martyrs didn't have pain. Of course they had pain. Many of them screamed in agony. Why did they do it? Because they believed that Christ was raised from the dead and there was an afterlife. Therefore, if he was raised from the dead, he is not the same as any other person in history. And true biblical Christianity that is based upon his teachings is the one and true Christian faith, is the one and true faith. And thus there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. So you don't have a choice of either or, or anyone will do. Only he will do. It has been said that the death of hope leads to the hope for death. The reason there is so much despair is because people have given up their faith when we have a million reasons to believe. Because he lives we too shall live. He said, I tell you the truth, the hour is coming in which all that are in their graves are going to hear his voice and come forth. That is because he's alive. Therefore, my message to you at this time of the year is simple and plain. There are not a thousand ways while there are good people and sincere people in every faith, I stand before you today and say, there is only one Christ and there is only one Savior.
And there is only one way, there is only one truth, and that is the life, Jesus Christ. Therefore, O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Please kneel down. Teach us to know today, our Father, that the faith that we believe is the one true faith in all the world because it is the faith of Christ. Teach us to know that there's one way home to the kingdom of God, and that is through Jesus. So little wonder, our Father, that the early Christians were persecuted and hated because they said there's no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. Help us to cherish what God has given us and to realize that in knowing Christ we are the most blessed and the most prosperous and the most peaceful people in the world that today we revel in civil and religious liberties because of Christ. And wherever he has gone in the world, he's left a blessing. He's left health and happiness and prosperity and liberty. But where his teachings have been derided and rejected, there we see degradation, the poverty, the oppression of women, the trampling down of civil and religious liberties, the burning of Christians even today, great poverty and ignorance as in Albania, the capital of the world's atheism. Teach us to know today that not all things are equal. And that indeed our little systems do have their day. They do have their day and cease to be. That they are but broken lights of Christ. And Christ is more than all of them put together. So today, we come into this church service to worship and acknowledge Jesus and to thank God for his resurrection and to praise him and to publicly acknowledge that he is the Lord of our hearts and the Lord of our church and the Lord of every one of us. As we're praying today in the presence of God, how many will raise a hand and say, I worship and exalt Jesus as my Lord. Please lift up your hand and say it. Say it loud. I worship and exalt Jesus Christ as my Lord. I acknowledge today that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that there's no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. And today I accept him as my Lord, my Savior, and my God. And I do this freely 
and willingly and thankfully in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.